23:23 and then 2 Thessalonians 2:9 through 12. Amen. Sister Thomas came up to me this morning and said she found the scripture in Ecclesiastic that says a living dog is better than a dead lion. She was so excited. She was so excited. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Didn't we say that? Talk about that. Amen. That should settle in your soul and in your spirit. Not to worry about what people think about you living for Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what they think. Because if they're lions but they're dead, they're not better off than you. So if they talk about us as the lowest of the low, we're living and they're dead. Hallelujah. So I'm excited for Sister Thomas. She found it. She, she's excited. Amen. I had the privilege um, Friday. This, this has been a great week for me. And you hear me say this all the time, and you have learned this, that the more familiar or involved you are with anything, the more you want to be familiar with it, the more you want of it. And um, that part we still can't get all together right with Christ. We don't realize that if we just deal with the Lord one day a week, um, it's easy to blow him off sometimes. It's easy to go without him sometimes. But if you get really involved with the Lord, you will realize I can't do without him. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of being in the Connecticut district um, Friday. I, I was in Connecticut Friday night at the ministry of the men's retreat there Friday night and last night. I uh, got done last night, and I uh, left Connecticut and uh, dro- drove uh, back home, and I was just excited to be home. Where God puts you, you got to know where God puts you. It doesn't matter where I go and who am I preaching to, and I love those people that I preached to this weekend, but my heart is always right here. Man, I, 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 I can't even explain it to you. My heart is always right here. All I want to get, I just want to get to Christ Center Church. That's all I know, and I love people. And um, I have a really great relationship with the people in Connecticut. But man, oh man, as soon as I was done, I didn't hang around too much longer. I said, brothers, I love you all. And I was back on 84, coming down, ready to come home. But I appreciate them inviting me, and I had a great time. But it just so happened that this week, even with working a full-time job, secular full-time job, I just had the great privilege this week of just being in church, I felt like, every day of the week. And that feels really good. Uh, when you are always handling the word of God, when you're always praying and you're fellowshipping, we don't need to warm up. When we come to church on Sunday mornings, whether you want to believe it or not, you got to warm up. We come in, we take some time to pray, take some time to work. Then we say, all right, I'm feeling good now. But when you're doing this thing constantly, nonstop, you walk in on fire. You walk in full of power saying, let's go. Let's hit the ground running, as they like to say. And so I thank God for it. I had probably one of my um, best compliments in all the years since I've been preaching. Brother Readout, Brother Readout, Clifford Readout is, I don't know how to describe him, but he is a protector and a guard of the word of God like nobody else you'll ever meet. You want to know about what the scripture says? God anoint people and use people in different ways so you know he doesn't and we don't treat him like he's some different kind of dude because we understand god use people the way he wants to use them so none of us have the right to brag about oh look at what i can do 
God uses people the way he wants, but he chooses to use Brother Readout in a special way. So Brother Readout guards the scripture. He knows the scripture. You ask him a question, and he can give you a 36-page written um, thesis on what you ask him. He is just thorough when it comes down to the word. When he explains the scriptures to you, he gives you line by line, precept upon precept, and he just breaks it down and gives you every supporting scripture for it. The man is out of control. And so after last night, I got done preaching. Brother Reed, I shook my hand and says, Brother Wyatt, that was good preaching, and it was sound. That's probably one of the best compliments I've ever got because I know him. And I know he's the, he's the chairman of ALI. And when he listens to us preach, he is making sure we're not you know, crossing scriptures and using it out of context and all of those things. So when you preach and Brother Readout is in the audience, get ready. Because if it's out of context, Brother Wyatt, you said blah, 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 blah. You know, here is what you want to kind of see over here. And he starts going into this whole under- explanation of what you should have linked the scripture with and whatever. And he had not one thing to say last night after I got done Friday night and Saturday night about how the scriptures were used and the message that was spoken. So one of my greatest compliments that I ever had in preaching the gospel, because I know what kind of man Brother Readout is. Let me tell you, preachers can get up and preach to you, uh, and they can preach to your emotion. They can get up and preach to you. And sometimes, for some of us, because we're not studying our, our, our Bible, they will use the word out of context and make you think something that's really not really what it's really saying. And so we, we, we find ourselves kind of, you know, not understanding the word of God the way we need to because the preachers took it out of context and because, you know, they didn't explain it right, but they just got a, a thought where they just felt good about and they wanted to share it with you. And so we have to be careful about that because God's word needs to be used in proper context because there's so many people frustrated with the word of God, challenged by the word of God, and get and, and, and for quite frankly, sometimes just turn their back on the word of God because it was presented to them out of context and they can't measure up to it. <laughs> that is something that's really scary. When the word of God is presented to you in a way that you just feel like you just can't measure up and it brings you to the place of just, ah, it's just not for me. And you walk away and because all because someone used God's word out of context and so we need to use God's word in context. And if we use it in context, then we will see that we can. Somebody say, we can. God is good. He would never ask you to do something you can't. So if you read something in the word and it seems impossible for you, it simply just means it's been used out of context. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 23. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord says in Proverbs 23, verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Isn't it interesting? Entrepreneur Sunday, and we talking about buying and selling. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Second Thessalonians 2, verse number 9. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs, lying wonders. Understand that the devil is going to 
do signs and lying wonders. There is going to be times where the devil is working and doing things and you think, wow, the devil is powerful. Just understand now, the devil has no power. Oh, every time we say that, people get worried because they don't want to say it. They're afraid of the devil. The devil has no power. And if you know your Bible, Jesus says, I have given you power over the power of the enemy. Here is what our problem is and why we get afraid of the devil. You ready for this? If you are not submitted to God, then you have no power to tell the devil nothing. But if you are submitted to God, you can tell the devil where to go and he has to go. So what we're afraid of is not so much that we know the devil don't have any power. It's because we're worried about our position in God. Because if you are submitted to God, you look that devil square in the eye and say, dude, do you know who I am? Do you understand that I am a child of God and I am under his authority and whatever I say, you better listen because I am under the only authority in this earth, in heaven, under the earth. So the devil don't have any power. And that's why the Bible says that he will be working all power and signs and lying wonders. Everything the devil does is a lie. Everything that Satan does is a lie. He tries to deceive you and make you think that he can do something. And all he's doing is messing with your mind to make you think he's doing something. And when you respond to him, you get all tangled up with his lies. But you have to know that the devil is a liar. We better understand that. He don't have any power. We got to remember this. Somebody need to mark this in their Bible. Lying wonders. So don't let what he tries to do to seem like it's going great. We see it today even now. I feel bad for people who are presenting things, as we know, on the book. Presenting things on the book of what they claim is so great. When if you really get them face to face and talk to them one on one or watch what's going on in their life every day, you realize what they showing on the book ain't what's really going on in their life. Facebook, not not just any book, you know which book, Facebook. And that's a trick of Satan. That's what he does. So when we do this, we don't even realize I am not calling people Satan that doing it. I am just saying we're following in his step when we're trying to make things look a certain way that they're not. That's what he does. He's an expert at making things look certain way, but it's really not that way. Mm. Lion wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perished. Oh, Lord. Because they received not the truth, the love of the truth. That they might be saved. And for this cause, God sent them strong delusions that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure 
Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of worlds. Lord, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Lord Jesus, today I pray that you will help us. Lord, remove from us, Lord God, all prejudices, all, oh God, wrong thinking. Remove from us, Lord God, all distractions that today we can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto us. Lord, your return is at hand. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to miss out on eternal life with you. We don't want to miss out on eternal life with you. We, almighty God, don't want to be deceived by this devil of ours that's trying to destroy us. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be free from all deceit, from all delusion, from all lies, that, Lord, we can stand tall and strong in the Word of God. Will you speak to us today and move on us today? Will you do the miraculous in this place? Before we leave, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. You may be seated. I want to entitle, or I have entitled, this message today, Love the Truth. Love the Truth. Love the Truth. Feel very strongly about the Word of the Lord. Loving the Truth. Mm -hmm. In Proverbs 23, verse 23, the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. The text seems to tell us that truth is the one pearl beneath the skies that is worth having. I know you thought a million dollars, ten million dollars, $20 million, a nice big house, a nice ride, you know, all the jewels and all that stuff. I know you thought that if I have enough money, then everything else in my life will be just that much better. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the most precious thing that there is in this earth. Not money. Not material things, not your aspirations, not your goals, not your education. The most precious thing in this earth is truth. We must buy the truth and never sell the truth. We must hold fast the truth as a treasure that will last us. When gold has cankered and silver has rusted and the moth had eaten up all the goodly garments, when all the riches of men have gone like a puff of smoke or melted in the heat on judgment day, truth will stand. The gold that we have down here, when judgment day come in the heat, is in this earth. Oh, it's going to be destroyed because it's not in comparison to the gold that's in heaven. <laughs> you may give all for truth, but you may take nothing in exchange for it. 
since there is nothing that can be likened unto truth. When you obtain truth, when you buy truth, you can't give it up because there is nothing like truth. Buy the truth. Never be afraid of the truth. Never be afraid in anything of your prejudices when it's challenged. A lot of times when truth is spoken to us because we have our set ways of how we like to do things and how we live our life, we hear truth and we say, well, and we don't want to buy that truth because our way of living, our lifestyle, our thinking is opposed to that truth. And so when we hear the truth that, that opposes how we are and what our lifestyle says, we don't want that truth. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning, if the truth is spoken, if the truth is preached, if the truth is read, and somehow it's opposing how you feel, how you live your life, you need to say, guess what? It's truth. And I need to love it. And I need to buy it. And even though I'm not obeying that truth, I need to will myself to obey that truth. Because truth is the most precious thing in this earth. There is nothing more precious, more valuable in this earth than truth. (laughs) In the long run, those of us who build our life on speculations, Fantasies, error. It may seem like we're doing all right right now. It might look like things are okay right now. But there's coming a day where the fire will consume it. It will be burnt up. And what seemingly seems like it was all great and wonderful now all of a sudden has no meaning. Truth will always have meaning. Truth is eternal, not temporary. Everything in this world is temporary. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. Truth is very precious. And error lead to the most solemn consequences of mischief. In this world, we see so many people who say they're saved according to their own words and their own thinking. Then they sprinkle in a little bit of God in it to make it seem like, okay, that's legit. I say it all the time. You can walk up to most Christians randomly, most Christians, and say to them, Can you show me in the Bible where I need to look to get instructions on how to be saved? Now they do all these, they do all these kind of random surveys. We probably need to do a survey on that. Get our microphones. Get our tape recorder. And just travel out throughout the world and says, excuse me, sir. My name is so and so. Just want to ask you a question. Can you tell us exactly where in the Bible it says how I need to be saved? I want to know how. Man, you'll be shocked how many church people fail that one. Well, you just have to believe. Well, show me in the Bible where it says I just have to believe. Since it's just that. 
So many people feel like they're saved in their own way of thinking. So many people feel like they're saved because of what their church says. So many people feel like they're saved because they've been baptized. Or they've been confirmed as a baby. Or some ceremony at the church happened that says you're now saved. And so many people are walking around that I'm saved. And they haven't stopped to say, what is truth about that? Salvation is too important for me to just speculate. Salvation is too important for me to fantasize about it. Salvation is too important for me to just think that I'm okay. I need truth about salvation. Since that's the thing that tells me I will spend eternity with Jesus, I need to be sure about it. I can't speculate. I can't guess. I can't make it a fantasy in my mind. I need to know the truth of how to be saved. Can't be no belief. As a matter of fact, I know I'm going to mess up some of your theology. Believe is the third thing that must happen for you to be saved. The third. I'm not going to stay long on it. But let me tell you how we arrive at belief. Faith plus works equal beliefs. Faith plus works equal belief. We believe what we do. You're doing what you do because you believe it. You didn't, you didn't believe it and then do it. You started doing it. And you saw a belief at the end. So how do we get saved? We must come to understand who Jesus is. And when we come to understand who Jesus is, then we will realize who we are. And I'm not good, Jesus, compared to who you are and who I'm supposed to be. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm unrighteous. I'm just a, a, a guy that's going straight to you know where. And I need to get saved, Jesus. And so he says to me, repent of your sins. If you will repent, I will forgive you of your sins. And when I forgive you of your sins, then I want you to be baptized. And you will have all your sins washed away. And I will fill you with my spirit. You will talk in tongues with the ever that you do have my spirit. We can't misunderstand or believe error. That's the thing about believe. You can believe a lie. This is why if you're telling somebody just believe, that's erroneous. Because I can believe a lie, you can believe a lie. So if I tell you, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So I can just live any kind of way, but just believe on the Lord Jesus. There's a lot of people that's walking this earth that really believe that Jesus Christ is real. They're not saved. And if you talk to them, some of them will be honest and say, I know, I know. I know I need to get right. Because God is real. How many times we hear people on TV, athletes, yeah, I thank God. They know God is real. But if truth be told, they're not living like God is real. They're just knowing that God is real, but they don't live like God is real. That's not a believer. And we've twisted that 
to think that because you know about God, you are a believer. A believer work will manifest what you say you are. So if you say you believe, there's works that's behind it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. People have not looked into the word of God about their salvation. The truth about salvation, we cannot afford to follow error about our salvation. Listen to me, somebody. I feel it today. The Lord knows what he's doing. And I heard a story. I was talking to Brother Dibble. Brother Dibble and I. No, yeah, Brother Dibble and I were talking about something. And he says, there was this deacon at his church that was a barber. And he would go to the barber and he would get his hair cut there. And he would talk to the barber. The barber would talk to him. And one day they started talking about, you know, in depth on salvation. The barber goes to a certain denomination. Brother Dibble goes to his church. And they're there talking. And Brother Dibble begins to talk to him about truth. And he was trying to listen. And he had a hard time receiving it. Because here is what I will tell you. Tradition is worse than sin. If you have held on to something that's traditional, means that it's been passed down from generation to generation, from higher up, passed down, and that's what you were told, but you never really searched it out for yourself, but you just grab a hold of it, it's going to be hard for you to get over that because you don't get over that kind of thing. You hold on to it. No, no, I believe this because this is how it's always been for me. Oh, no, and you won't let it go. But you know how many times I went into the hood and watched guys rolling dice, smoking their blunt. Drinking their beer. Hey, Reverend, what's going on? I know we ain't right. We're all messed up out here and we just doing our thing. But Reverend, we going to come to church one day because we need to get our life right. And they still rolling dice. I respect them all day, every day because they know they're living wrong. They didn't. They're not ready to change, but they know they need to change. But people that's locked in tradition. Oh, I'm good. Go talk to somebody else that don't know about Jesus. That's what the traditional people tell you. That's what those people, that's, they don't want to hear your truth. They want to stay in their tradition locked in and they won't change. But I'm telling you somebody in here today, your salvation is too important for you to say, well, I don't know about that. If it's in the scripture, if it's clear, if you read it, don't let the word be complicated. Just look at it and what it says and just do it. Don't get upset because it go against your thing. And your tradition. We get upset because it goes against our tradition. We cannot afford to follow error, especially when it's pertaining to our salvation. Some of you may have heard me say this before, that we can talk about the scripture in different ways and we can disagree in different things in the scripture. But if it's a heaven and hell issue, which what I mean is if it's a salvation issue, we better get that one right. So here is something we can disagree on. 
When will Jesus return? We can kick that around all day, every day. I think he's going to return, blah, blah, blah. I think he's going to return, blah, blah, blah. And we kick that around, and it doesn't matter if we're right or wrong. All we got to do is just be ready. So that's not a conversation that it matters. You know, I got to go and, oh, man, I got to change. I don't have to change anything about my life if I'm living right when he will return. But if we're talking about how you, what instructions in the Bible you followed to be saved, if that's what we're talking about, oh, no. That one, if you find out you're wrong, you better correct that. Acts chapter 19. You, you, you're not that fast, young man. You're coming along, though. We appreciate you helping us out over there. But, but we, you know, actually, I, I, that's not something that w- was programmed. Going outside the program right now. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We read this the other day. Yeah I, yeah, I saw him. He's good. He's good. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Come on, let's go. Two. Can we get two? We're being patient, but we still need two. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Three. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Four. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, I love this. When they heard this. When, hold on. When they heard this, they said, well, that's not how we were taught. When they heard this, John the Baptist was nobody like him, and that's who baptized us. I thought that's what they said. That's not what they said. You don't understand, Paul. John baptized us. The one that was the way maker for Christ. That's who baptized us. Are you kidding me? We were baptized under John baptism. What are you talking about? We good. Did they argue that? Oh, man. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We got to stop letting tradition mess us up. Paul told them what they needed to know. He told them truth. He told them truth. And guess what? They didn't argue. They just did what Paul says. We got to know truth. We'll stand the test of times. And we can't argue with truth. Verse 6. And when Paul, so they got baptized, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. That's truth. Why did I show you that scripture? Because they could have stayed in their own way of their traditional thing. They had an experience with John the Baptist, who was an awesome prophet of God. And they had an experience with him, and they could have told Paul, yo, dude, we good. What are you talking about? John was the one that baptized us. John's stuff was legit. They didn't argue with Paul. They knew Paul was speaking truth. And when you hear truth being spoken, don't get upset. 
Don't turn off the preacher. Don't put down the Bible. Because only the truth will... We say we believe, but if we do believe, we got to prove it by our life. Because whatever we believe, it will come out in our behavior. Never mind whether you can make the truth always consistent to your own way or not. If the truth is the truth, then just obey it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, here is something that people that may have an issue with the truth. They look at people who are practicing truth, living truth, and they say, if you have truth, you wouldn't be all struggling the way you're struggling. That's one of the excuses that they use to hold on to their tradition. There's no way you obeying truth and walking in truth and have to go through all of that. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Can I tell you this? Guess what? Because you experience struggle in your life don't mean you don't have truth. On the contrary, it probably solidifies that you have truth. Why would you say that, preacher? You want me to give you some proof? I'm going to give you some proof. (laughs) All true spiritual life in Christ that is not attended with struggles is not real. So if you claim you are in Christ, but you don't have any struggles, you might not have the real deal. Why can you say that, preacher? Isaac, the child of promise, he was mocked by his brother. He had truth, and his brother didn't. Go read your Bible if you want. I don't have time to get into all that because that's not what I'm preaching about. Joseph was cast in the pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. Did he have truth? (laughs) The king of Egypt sent out a decree to kill all male babies during the time Moses the deliverer was born. Was that because Moses didn't have truth? (laughs) Satan Wanted to destroy Jesus. Does that mean he didn't have truth? So don't ever get confused with people that are living truth and saying because they're struggling. Well, if that's truth, I don't want it. The king of kings, the lord of lords, he struggled when he came in this earth. And we think we're not going to struggle. Hear me now. We're going to struggle in this world because we messed up this world. If we stayed in the garden, we wouldn't have any struggles. But because we sinned against God, we have struggled today. And we will have struggle until the Lord return and take us to heaven with him. If we kept it right in the garden, there will be no struggle. We will just be skipping around in the garden eating what we want, having the best weather, having no struggles women will have babies and no pain, we will just have the best life but because we messed up our world there's struggles so on the contrary, if you live in real good and no struggles, I'm worried about you worried about you 
because the child of God is living in truth have to struggle because the world is not conducive to a child of God. The world is conducive to the devil and what he has done and caused us to mess up. So we are not the ones that's familiar and should not be familiar with the way it is now. Mm. I'm almost done. This is tough for you, but this is what the Lord wanted me to preach. Uh-huh. Truth. Buy it. Don't sell it. If we profess to be Christians, be Christians. If we profess to be Christians, be Christians. You say you are a follower of Christ, be a follower of Christ. I love this. How when we start to do our things, we say, well, the way they lived back then, that was just a different time. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Because what we're really saying, can I translate that for you? I just want to kind of do something different than what they did. And, and and I'm hoping that God will just understand, but I don't want to live the way they lived. I just want to live the way I want to, and hopefully God will understand that. That's what we're really saying. Oh, that's way back in the day. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the scripture says he changed not. And guess what? If you read your Bible real good, you'll see he spoke some things thousands of years ago that is still and is relevant today. So his word don't get old. So let's not make living for God old. And we can't do this and we can't do that. The way he established this thing is the way it's supposed to stay. We can't change truth. Truth is truth and you can't change truth. Never allow yourself to be what you are not. If you fall for a moment or for a while in a position that is compromising of who you are as a child of God, realize it and get out of it as soon as you can. God is good. I'm not going to preach to you stuff and not let you know the other stuff about it. So if you're in error, realize you're in error and get out of it as quick as you can. There's no need to get upset. Oh, 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 oh. Ah. You remember Cain? Holy Ghost just, you know, bring that one. Anybody remember Cain? 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 Remember when his, when God received the sacrifice of his brother? Said, I'm pleased with your brother's sacrifice, and fire consumed it. And Cain looked around. Cain was like, oh, no fire consuming my offering. What are you doing, God? And God says, well, you didn't present the sacrifice in the right way. You didn't present the right thing, nor with the right attitude. So I'm not consuming yours. I'm not accepting yours. Present it with the right attitude and present the right sacrifice, then I'll consume yours. The Bible says Cain got upset, got messed up from that. And the Lord says to Cain, Brother Sam, Cain, I love this about the Lord. Cain, 
we getting all worked up. Let me translate for you. We getting all worked up for you. You act like you got to stay that way. All you got to do is just do the right thing with the right attitude and we good. That's what the Lord say to us all the time. So we're practicing error and the Lord is not mad at you. He's just saying, now that I've spoken my truth to you, just do what my truth says. We getting all mad at God or mad at the preacher God is using. Don't get mad at God or the preacher God is using. Just know that God loves you that much that he's pointing out your error so you can practice truth and be in right relationship with him. That's all he's doing. Children, don't get upset with your parents when they're trying to tell you the right thing. They want what's best for you. We like that. You hear that? Amen, amen, amen. So you don't think that's what God wants for you? Aren't you his child? So why are you getting upset with him when he's telling you what you're doing is an error and you're not doing it right and I want you to practice truth? Why? All right. Prepare for landing. Prepare for landing. Never allow yourself to be what you're not. If you fall into a moment of compromise, get out as soon as you can. Never do what you're ashamed of. It matters not who sees. Think always that God sees. And with God for a witness, you have enough observers. Only do that which you would have done if all eyes were fixed on you. Listen to this. And you are being observed by your most crucial critic. Live your life like your critic is watching you all the time. I don't know if you ever said this before, but since living for Christ, I've said to myself, God has put some people in my life so I can get it right. He has put some people in my life that will make me always be conscious of if I'm doing right or I'm doing wrong. I'm not mad at those that are critical and always trying to criticize. I say, God, thank you for them. Because if it wasn't for them, maybe I would slip. But as long as I know I got some critics, as long as I know I got some people looking to try to point the finger and trying to say how messed up I am, as long as I know I got them, guess what? I'm always pushing and pressing to do what's right because the critics is watching. The critics want to see something wrong to point out. But you need to say, I thank God for the critics. Thank God for the critics, Foxy. If it wasn't for them, I probably would slip a lot more. But with the critics, you on your P's and Q's. Oh, no. Oh, no, they watch. They can't wait to say, look what he did. Look what he did. Don't get mad at the critics. Let it be the thing that help you stay right with God. Uh Uh-huh. How can we buy truth? Let's first make it clear. Has not the prophet so worded it? Ye come by wine and milk without money and without price. Salvation is a free gift. Listen. Man, man, man. All right. Not too bad. So listen to this. Brother Henry, you hit on something this morning. So blame Brother Henry for making me go down this direction just for a minute. And so listen to this. 
you can receive the free gift of salvation and not be saved. Let me walk it for you a little bit. So listen, if you go to Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it says, and in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Right? And so the Holy Ghost will be poured out. And so did it say that you needed to repent? I will pour out of my spirit on repented flesh. I will pour out of my spirit on good flesh. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Nothing required. So he said, I'll give you the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. Not in titles, but in the name of Jesus Christ. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. But you still can be not saved. Because it's one thing to have the gift. It's another thing to not allow the gift to work in your life. So here is what happens to a lot of people. They get born again, which is a free gift. It doesn't take anything to be born again. It's a free gift. But here is the problem. You never entered into covenant with God. Because covenant is what make you now save. It's only covenanted people that will be saved. Not everyone that receives salvation will be saved. But everyone that enter into covenant and keep the covenant will be saved. This is why we still have some work to do. And there is people that don't understand what's going on. Because here is the story. We said this in the Bible study. Y'all missing out on good Bible studies on Thursdays, you that are not here. Listen to what we said on Bible study. Judas called Jesus rabbi while the other disciples called him Lord. I wish I could do the electric slide. <laughs> Judas said, Rabbi. You know what rabbi mean? Teacher. So to Judas, Jesus was just a teacher to him. But to the rest of the disciples, Jesus was master and Lord and ruler. When you have salvation and you have not gotten into covenant, all you are is a person with the gift and no covenant. And Jesus is only a teacher to you. But when you have the Lord and you said, he is my Lord, my master, my ruler, he is not just my rabbi, but he is my God, my master. Then you enter into covenant because you can't go in covenant without making him Lord over your life. So now you see why this becomes challenging now for us. Because we want to just think we have this free gift of salvation and we are on the right track. We're good. Oh, that's the beginning to have the free gift of salvation. But until Jesus Christ become Lord of your life, that is by entering into covenant. So now he dictates what you do. Another thing we talked about on Thursday night was everything that's sacrificed unto the Lord belongs to the Lord. When 
they did the sacrifice in the Old Testament, once that animal was sacrificed, that sacrifice belonged to the Lord. New Testament, when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you are what the Bible calls the living sacrifice. Nevertheless, key word, sacrifice. And if you are a living sacrifice, it means that sacrifice belongs to the Lord. He is the Lord of hosts and He is the one in control. That's how we get saved. Not just having the free salvation to say, oh, I'm saved, sanctified. Holy Ghost feel, but is he your Lord? Oh, help me, Jesus. Woo! I'm about to take this thing. I can't. I can't even deal with all this stuff. Woo! What then does the text mean? To be saved, we have to give everything. Everything. That must be given up in order to receive the free gift of salvation. Huh. All right. Okay. Come here, Jeanette. Sorry to put you on the spot, but come on. It's okay. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to mess with you a little bit, Jeanette. I would like to give you this gift. That's a nice bottle of oil. That's your gift. You can have it. And I would like to give you this bottle of water. Okay. You got it? All right. Now, Jeanette, I, I need you all to... <laughs> all right. So, Jeanette, this is the salvation. And you have some gifts over there. You want the salvation? Okay, then get it. No, no, no. You can't change hand, can't do nothing. Mm-mm. Want the salvation? No, 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 no. no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Come get the salvation. Uh, no, no, no. no, that's not how you get the salvation. There you go. You see what I'm saying? That's how you get it. You got to put down something to take up something. You can't have them both. You got to put it down. You got to give up everything you got so you can receive what Jesus has for you. You can't have it all. You can only have one. It's yours. It's okay. You can have it. Do we see that clearly? And oftentimes all we want to do is have those things in our hands and say, yeah, give me more. But you can't handle nothing else. you got to put down what's in your hand and take what God has given you. Help us today, Lord. Some of us, we got to realize we got to give up our self-righteousness. We got to give up trusting in ourselves and trusting in people so we can trust in God. If the price at which you shall have true experience with Christ brings about sorrow to you, buy the truth at that price. You missed it. 
If the price at which you shall have true experience with Christ brings you sorrow. My husband going to walk out on me. My wife going to walk out on me. My children going to turn their back on me. My, 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 my family, my friends, they have a problem with me. If that's what it costs to buy the truth, buy it. Buy it. As a matter of fact, it's at a bargain price. Buy it. Doesn't matter what kind of sorrow will come your way if that's what it costs. Buy it. Listen. It costs Daniel in the lion's den to go in the lion's den. He bought it anyhow. It cost the three Hebrew boys going in that fire, knowing that they're probably going to lose their life. It cost them that price. They bought it anyhow. What is the price you don't want to pay for this truth? Because there should be no price that you don't pay for this truth. Give anything and everything to buy the truth. Buy the truth at any price. And sell it at no price. Buy the truth at any price. And sell it at no price. Where can we buy the truth? So here's where we're going. We're almost on the ground. John chapter 14, verse 6. We're almost on the ground. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth. And the life. John chapter 1 verse 17 says this. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth. <laughs> truth is only associated with one person. He's speaking the truth. Only if he's speaking about what Jesus says. John chapter 8 verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ. Lie is not a thing. Lie is a person. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not. There is The devil can't even do nothing and make it truthful. He can't even pretend. Even when he try to speak truth, he got to throw some of himself in there. Go back and ask Eve. Or go to heaven and when you get to heaven, ask Eve. He spun the truth so good, make it seem like it was the truth, but he had some of himself in there. So that's why it's important we got to know truth. Because he will make you believe what you think you know to be true, to be true when it's a lie, when it's error. So you got no truth. And so because there is no truth in him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. 
for he is a liar and the father of it. So lie is a person, just like truth is a person. So when we start to lie, we're doing his job for him. He's sitting back. Because a lot of times he ain't got to do nothing and we're blaming him. No, 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 no. We're working for him when we start deceiving and lying and twisting God's word. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, if any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema, maranatha. That means let him be a curse. Hmm. If you love not Jesus, the truth. You will be a curse. Second Thessalonians two ten, and with all deceivableness, we read this earlier of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. When we don't love the truth, we cannot be saved. All the stuff that I've been saying here comes back down to the scripture that we just read at the beginning, because that they receive not the love of the truth. That they might not be saved. If we don't receive the love of the truth, we won't be saved. So if we treat God's word like it's not truth, we won't be saved. And if we pretend that we love God's word but we don't love it, we will not be saved. Verse 11 says, and for this cause, for what cause? Because we receive not the love of the truth. Because we receive not the love, we make God's word grievous. Man, why the pastor telling us, let's try to pray for our day? Why the pastor telling us we got to read? Why the pastor telling us? Remember what I told you? It ain't the pastor. It's Jesus. Jesus was the one that always got away and prayed in the garden. And the pastor says it, and you think the pastor's the one that's saying, hey, the pastor, don't blame it on the church, blame it on Jesus. Used to be a song say, blame it on the rain. Blame it on Jesus. Stop. We need to stop blaming the church and the pastor. Because the pastor, if he's legit, he's only following the master. He's only communicating truth. So any problems you have with truth, blame it on Jesus. And said, because they receive not the love of the truth, and for this cause, God send them strong delusion that they should believe Satan. God send them strong delusion that they should believe Satan. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This does not mean that God lied to them, nor that he would want them to be deceived. God don't want you to deceive. God wants you to know truth. God don't want you to go in error. God wants you to go in truth. But what happens when we don't love the truth? What it means is God leave us to ourself. God, God, God didn't do something to you. He's not doing something to you. He is constantly trying to put truth in your face. 
I love you. I want you to know truth. But when you don't love it, you reject it. And all God can do is go away. Now, here's what you don't understand. Because the day is coming. When God, when God's presence and God is not around us, among us, and in our life, the only thing that's left is lie. And so now we're going to start to think the lie is the truth because that's all we have. You see, when there are alternatives, you will know. But when that's all you have, you won't know any better. You want me to prove that to you? Man, y'all got to leave me alone. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no other alternative. They didn't know what evil was. They were just innocent as could be. They don't know evil. And the devil came and says, he spoke a little truth in there. But remember, I tell you, you always mix it up with his stuff. He come and says, God know you will be like him if you eat the fruit or whatever. He said to them, I, I'm, I'm, I'm missing that part. But he says, God know you will become like him. That's why he's trying to withhold that from you. Now, what he was telling them was true because this is what it meant. If you eat of the fruit, you're no longer going to be innocent. You're going to know good and evil. And only God knew good and evil. Only God knew good and evil. Adam and Eve only knew good. So now they have to negotiate good and evil. But if you only know good, you don't know evil. So when God withdraw himself from us because we don't want to love his truth, all we're going to know is lie and think the lie is truth. This is what it means. By says, God will send strong delusion that we might believe a lie. Oh, that somebody today will listen to what I'm saying and buy this truth. How do we know if we're not saved today? In two weeks time, we're going to give our life to God. We'll make it. How do we know that? Who knows that? You know that for sure? We keep banking on God's love and God's mercy. But God's been loving you all your life. God's been showing you mercy all your life. It's supposed to just continue. And you continue doing what you want. Huh. Hear the truth today. This is the truth. I'm speaking truth to you. I pray that you will hear what the word of God is saying. And you will buy it and not sell it, not give it up for anything. There's nothing more valuable than truth. Will you stand with me? I pray.